This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tonight, explaining last night. Team Trump lowers expectations ahead of the Iowa caucuses. Does Haley have them worried? I defeat Biden by double digits. About today, another court appearance becomes another winning photo op. It's a shame. It's uh, it's really a uh, it's a witch hunt in the truest sense of the word. As the media comes to terms with a likely Trump comeback, striking back. Will the U.S. and Britain finally hit Houthi missile sites? Is it too little, too late? Why much of the world is now looking to China for protection? Reefer madness. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. New research shows marijuana leads to higher levels of psychosis in teens. Why are we legalizing something so dangerous? Suing Harvard. Jewish students fight back against Harvard. Do they really understand who they're going up against? And end of an era, Belichick and Saban hang it up. Why 72 is too old for the gridiron, but 78 and 82 are fine to run the free world. To those who say I can't vote for Joe Biden, he's too old. What do you say? I say his age is an asset. And we start with breaking news. If there is any question that President Biden is a wartime president tonight, answers that question. It is 3 a.m. in Yemen, 7 p.m. here in Washington, and U.S. airstrikes against the Houthi rebels have begun along the coast here of the Red Sea and the Arabian Sea uh, against the Houthi rebels in Yemen. They are controlled and supplied, of course, by Iran. For the past couple of months, the Houthis have been taking pot shots, not only at U.S. Navy ships, but also at commercial shipping through the Red Sea. 10% of the world commerce goes through the Red Sea. The Houthis had stopped that. They'd used these ships and the Navy ships as target practice. The Navy had taken it on the chin, never fought back. Tonight, that changes. Uh, the way this is going to go, uh, we don't know how many waves of attacks there will be. Uh, there's a few U.S. Navy ships here, uh, not only in the Red Sea, but also uh, in the Gulf of Aden. Uh, They have Tomahawk cruise missiles. Uh, And then there is going to be the air component from not only U.S. bases. uh, We'll put up U.S. and U.K. bases since this is a joint operation. U.S. bases in Iraq and then obviously down here in Saudi Arabia and in Qatar uh, for places to launch those attacks from. This is some of the video from the U.S. ships uh, as they were both under attack and sending off the interceptors to try and blow up the Houthi drones and missiles that had been launched at them. So far, no U.S. sailors have been killed, and obviously there was a fear by the United States that that might happen. At some point, Iran and the Houthis were going to get lucky. The issue here is, is it too little, too late? 
You think about Iran. They've been allowed to embarrass the United States now for at least a couple of months with 130 attacks against U.S. bases and U.S. ships. This is the first real meaningful response. How big it goes, we don't know. The fact that the United Kingdom is involved is pretty significant. We had been hearing rumblings out of London that the Brits were even pressuring the United States to do more because of so much of the shipping that comes through the Red Sea goes to the United Kingdom. They were tired of this and the increased costs that had come, and they were tired of being embarrassed by the Iranians and by the Houthis. Uh, Houthi uh, command and control is in Sana'a, which is the capital of Yemen. Yemen's pretty much a failed state now. So you're going to have a few waves of attacks, and we see how this goes, right? First, you take out Houthi air defenses, which are supplied by Iran, so that means Russian-made air defenses that can endanger U.S. planes. Uh, First, you take out the air defenses, then you start taking out command and control, and then you start taking out the weapons depots. That is going to be the first three phases of this attack overnight right now in Yemen. Whether you see a day two, day three, day four is yet to be seen. The Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, is in the Middle East right now. And the continued attacks by the Houthis was really embarrassing the administration. And that's been the real issue here is how long was Iran going to continue to embarrass the United States? We've heard for so long from this administration, their whole plan was to not escalate, not escalate, not escalate. And it seems now the Houthis have forced the United States into escalating. Glenn Ignazio, former U.S. Air Force Special Operations pilot, commander, and major is with us now. Uh, typically three waves, right? Glenn, you take out the air defenses, command and control, and then you start going after the launch sites and the uh, weapons storage facilities for the Houthis. Yeah, that's absolutely right. They're actually very close together. So it's not, uh, you know, waiting time. You're really trying to go in as a strike package. You've had plenty of time to do the intelligence to build these strike packages. And then you put the right assets to be able to jam, destroy, and then be able to strike those particular areas. We're looking at it in terms of this was video that we first saw from the Houthis uh, of them taking over a ship. This was the first one of their real attacks. It showed fairly sophisticated uh, operations by the Houthis flying in on a helicopter, landing on a ship, taking it over. Uh, or is this sort of a ragtag rebel organization? How much, com- how much help has Iran given them and turned them into a, a real fighting force? Yeah, I mean, the impression that a lot of people have is that they're ragtag, but in all honesty, they haven't. They've had um, a lot of time to be able to practice and refine their operations. In fact, some of the technology that's come from Iran, they've actually improved and extended ranges. So they've gone from sort of this, you know, rebel group to actually a pretty organized and, and uh, formidable uh, type of foe. And just as you saw that infiltration to that ship and uh, getting their forces to take that, I believe that was a Japanese ship that's been held since November, uh, is is carried out very well. So you never, ever underestimate, always consider a threat to be the best threat so that you keep yourself safe and you, you feel like you're fighting against a formidable force and never get complacent in the operations. So you think about U.S. bases, right? You've got Qatar, you've got the UAE, you've got Bahrain, you've got Bahrain, you've got Saudi Arabia. An enormous amount of U.S. assets located uh, here to be able to head to Yemen. And, and look, the, it's not exactly like the Houthis have super sophisticated air defenses. This isn't going after Moscow or something. But would you expect any kind of ground component to this, either U.S. special operations or perhaps uh, having somebody from uh, even conventional ground forces going in? 
At this time, I would I would say no. Uh, there's been a big civil war that's going on in Yemen for a long time. The Saudis have actually been in sort of a of at a peace or a truce right now with with Yemen, and they're sort of staying out of this. Uh, but it's a U.S.-U.K. strikes. The best thing and the safest thing is for these strikes to be taken care of. They're very surgical. Our operations are very, you know, laser guided, or the the JDAMs we have very precise. So we'll take out those strikes, and the intelligence has been key. The best thing is actually not to have boots on the ground at this point because of the political uh, areas, plus uh, just the nature of the way Yemen is right now in all civil war, and it's a chaotic place. So better to not have boots on the ground and do this from an air air power strike kind of uh, perspective. It's kind of wild, right, because it was back in 2021 President Biden stopped sending U.S. weapons to the Saudis uh, because he was upset that the Saudis were were pushing the war in Yemen. you think the Biden administration has been surprised? Have you been surprised by not only the abilities, but for, for to, to borrow a term in the Middle East, the chutzpah of the Houthis? Uh, I'm not I'm not surprised. And the other thing that's been is this has been going on in, in the prior months has been escalating significantly for originally it was just like one or two drones or even a missile towards Israel that we shot down. Then it escalated to pay hey, some direct tax against the U.S. Navy and then it expanded into all maritime operations. So this has been escalating and we haven't really done anything to suppress it or stop it. So they have shown their their they have leaned forward and shed what their what their particular game is. And we haven't pushed them back, and it's about time that we did. I mean, it's it's one of these things you have to be preemptive versus just suit, sitting back and, and shooting down drones. We've, we've hurt. Unfortunately, we've had U.S. soldiers hurt in Iraq as well. So, you know, getting the Houthis in place is the best thing. All right. Uh, Glenn, stand by for us. We always appreciate your expertise. We want to bring in uh, Ambassador John Bolton, former ambassador to the United Nations, obviously National Security Advisor as well to former President Trump. Mr. Ambassador, I, I think you'd probably start with what took so long. The question is, is this enough to uh, bloody Iran's nose and teach them a lesson? Well, we, we won't know, obviously. It's, uh, it, it, these attacks by the Houthi are clearly part of an Iranian-directed strategy in the region, their so-called ring of fire strategy, uh, to put pressure on Israel and the, and the, and the West. And, and it is long overdue. I mean, up until this strike, uh, the Houthi were not deterred by the United States of America. Just, just think about that. So uh, I do think this is at least a good first step. My feeling is when you look at the entire region, uh, until Iran itself feels some pain instead of its outlying terrorist proxies, uh, this is likely to go on. So much has been made about the the cost to commercial shipping, right? And we're going to put the map uh, back up. Sometimes these things get a little bit of a life of their own. Uh, We'll go back, if we can, to the cargo ship attack map. Uh, And so much has been made about the attacks on civilian vessels. Bloomberg reported that just in the past couple of days that the vessels that are still going up through the Red Sea have been broadcasting their Chinese ties, ties to Chinese companies, Chinese cargo, on and on and on, thinking that would provide them some insurance uh, from the Houthis who are controlled by Iran, dot, dot, dot. Does that mean who are also controlled by the Chinese? Well, uh, quite likely. There are also reports that uh, vessels uh, signaling they have no connection with Israel uh, also think they're going to get a safe passage. But the fact is uh, the number of ships actually transiting the Red Sea is way down. And given that uh, uh, typically on an annual basis, uh, 12 to 15 percent of the world's trade goes through the Suez Canal, 30 percent of the container ships uh, annually go through the canal. 
the kind of uh, constriction that we've had is, is already having a, a, an effect on the economy, and Iran knows that very well. This is a choke point, and they are choking. What do you make of the fact that the U.K., number one, is involved in the reports that the U.K. was sort of pushing the United States on this, that the Biden administration has allowed the Houthis to use U.S. Navy ships as target practice now uh, for at least a month? Uh, and I don't want to say we're, we're embarrassed and sort of humiliated into finally hitting back, but when you've got Iran doing this as Antony Blinken's flying through the Middle East, it's, it's just not a good look. Well, the, the administration's uh, posture has been to beg the Houthis not to attack uh, naval vessels. Uh, and in response to that, the attacks have continued. And Iran itself has put naval units into the Red Sea. Th those are also targets that uh, we might consider. Uh, just as we've been begging the Shia militia in Iraq not to attack American military and civilian personnel, and they've, they've ignored that too. So, you know, I think it's pretty clear here. And if the Brits did push the administration, if they were doing that, Behind the scenes, all I can say is rule Britannia. Mr. Ambassador, what has to happen? And we'll flip this around, right? We, we don't know the extent of these strikes. Um, 3 a.m. In, in Yemen, so you think they probably started a couple of hours ago. You get bomb damage assessment as the sun comes up, at least um, initial, initial reports, and we'll see some gun sight video in that that the Pentagon releases. What has to happen to your mind that Iran would be taught a lesson and, and back down, or, or will they probe once again? Is this the, the bayonet meeting steel, or is there still more mush, uh, to borrow the old Soviet phrase? Yeah, well, we don't know because we don't know the full extent of the strikes, and, and uh, they are late, and, uh, and there, there's a political motivation behind them. In part, there have been reports of some attacks in uh, Sana'a, the capital of Yemen. Uh, I'd like to know whether those prove out. But I think uh, th this is ever since October the 7th, uh, Iran has been controlling the narrative here. And I think they have been seeing how far they can go. Uh, and, and we have been uh, nearly totally passive up until now on this front. We've sunk a couple of small Houthi boats. Uh, and and it, it just reflects the administration's unwillingness uh, to, to deal with the Iranian threat. If you want to reestablish deterrence across the board, uh, with Hezbollah, with Hamas, with the Shia militia, with the Houthi, and by the way, with Iran itself, which today seized a tanker in international waters in uh, the Indian Ocean that was under supervision by the U.S. Department of Justice. That's an attack, in effect, on a surrogate American ship. Until, until, they, until Iran itself feels cost for this behavior, they will continue it. Based at least on what we've seen, um, if you can, just in a couple of sentences, what we've seen so far, know of so far in terms of attacks by the United States and the Brits against the Houthis so far, uh, this is not that, right? This is not something that you would say Iran is feeling pain from. No, and, and let's be clear about just how cynical Iran is. The Houthi are Arabs, uh, as is Hamas, and they're Sunni while, while we're at it. Uh, they are expendable, I think, in the view of the Ayatollahs in Tehran. Uh, it's too bad that we're bombing the Houthi. I'm sure they're saying that in Tehran tonight. But fundamentally, this is not pain that Iran is feeling. The Houthis wouldn't have any ability to constrict the uh, commercial traffic in the Red Sea were it not for Iran. Uh, this is an investment Tehran made years ago. It is paying off big time for them. 
All right, Mr. Ambassador, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Glenn Ignazio also with us uh, on this breaking news. Thank you both gentlemen back here uh, in Washington. Two big parts to this story, right? Obviously, what is happening in the Middle East and whether uh, this now escalates, which is what the Biden administration has feared so long, or whether the attacks are so minimal that Iran keeps pushing. Uh, and there are more attacks and they keep testing and probing in other ways. That's what we heard from Ambassador Bolton. All of this is going to focus attention on President Biden here in Washington. Uh, and it is going to focus attacks on President Biden by all of those in Iowa. We are four days away from the Iowa caucuses. And unlike almost any time, with the exception of 2004, foreign policy is now front and center in the Republican primary fight to Iowa when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. That means it is over, and now we wait. Uh, the U.S. has been allowing, of course, the Houthis to, take it, you know, to, to use the U.S. Navy ships in the Red Sea as target practice. We've been reporting on that now for a month. The question is, is this enough? Is this enough to bloody the nose of the Houthis and to put an end? Uh, to the attacks, not only on the U.S. Navy ships, but on commercial ships as well that have uh, caused major, major problems. This is also, uh, as we take a live look at the White House, going to focus an enormous amount of attention on the Secretary of Defense, who is still in the hospital, the scandal involving uh, the cover-up of his hospitalization and his cancer diagnosis. The White House has been dealing with that all week. This is going to renew those questions, uh, and there's going to be a lot of discussion uh, about exactly who was involved in planning uh, this retaliatory raid and whether it was delayed and whether it should have been delayed or not because of the Secretary of Defense's hospitalization. Those are the questions tonight, and we don't really have answers. We're going to wait for the Pentagon uh, to see if they're going to give us a briefing this evening, uh, which will be early in the morning once the bomb damage assessment comes in from Yemen. This will come up uh, on the trail, on the presidential trail in Iowa. President Biden's been hit over and over by Republicans on his foreign policy. But even the, the attacks in Yemen notwithstanding, the presidential race looks vastly different than when we talked 24 hours ago. Donald Trump had a strong showing last night at the Fox Town Hall. Like him, don't like him, he sounded like a president. He was there for an hour, he answered questions, he was funny, he seemed in control, and he stood in stark relief to the current occupant of the White House, who, frankly, isn't available very much. We're going to make this country so successful again. I'm not going to have time for retribution. And, and remember this, our ultimate retribution is success. And then he left Iowa for New York in his civil fraud trial. It's one of the many court cases he's going to have to navigate until the general election. But Trump ended any questions last night about who the frontrunner is, both for the Republican nomination and in many ways for the general election. Last night, his campaign, though, right after all of these events, lowered expectations. Politico quoted a top 
Trump advisor, saying a win is a win, but anything over 12 points in Iowa is, I think, quote, a great night. According to the average of polls from our partners at Decision Desk HQ, their guy, Donald Trump, is up more than 30 points in Iowa, yet his campaign is lowering expectations. And that's because anything can happen on in Iowa, especially when it is 32 degrees below zero on caucus night, on Monday night. Most importantly for Trump, last night's undercard debate between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis turned into a bickering match, everything that people say they hate about politics. And Nikki Haley, she missed an enormous opportunity. She has momentum in New Hampshire. Chris Christie dropped out. Last night was her moment. And instead, she pushed her website about Ron DeSantis by some counts 16 times. Here are those moments. You can go to DeSantisLies.com. Go to DeSantisLies.com. DeSantisLies.com. Go to DeSantisLies.com. Again, DeSantisLies.com. DeSantisLies.com. Telling lies, DeSantisLies.com. DeSantisLies.com. Go to DeSantisLies.com. Go to DeSantisLies.com. It's documented in DeSantisLies.com. And you can go to DeSantisLies.com. Here's the thing. Nobody cares. And why is she punching down? She's ahead of him in the polls in Iowa and ahead of the polls in New Hampshire. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And Trump gets this. Trump gets the most important part. Voters don't care about your website. They care about themselves. They don't care about you attacking the guy in third place. They care about themselves. Voters care about the economy, the border, national security. No wonder Trump isn't worried. President Trump, are you worried about Nikki Haley gaining on you in New not Hampshire? She doesn't have a chance. I'm not very good at this. Even Christie said today, he said she doesn't have what it takes. Yeah. He doesn't seem worried. Of course, Trump would say that if she did have a chance. And to be fair, she has a chance to win in New Hampshire. And anything can happen in Iowa. That's why we're going tomorrow morning literally into the blizzard. But maybe we were right back in September, now four or five months ago, with this prediction. It's becoming more apparent, probably is apparent at this point, that the real drama in the 2024 presidential election is going to be among Democrats. That was September. I had a good tan back then. Amazing. We bring in our panel, Lauren Wright, Associate Research Scholar and Lecturer in Politics and Public Affairs, Princeton University, Political Consultant, Sure Michael Singleton. I think, Lauren, you might have been on that night. I might have been. I've been there a lot of nights. (laughs) There you go. Um, And we're glad to have you. Do either of you want to dispute my premise that the real drama? Okay. Well, Uh I disagree with your debate take on Nikki Haley. It's very obvious she did what she did. She wants to seem tough. She wants to seem sharp, but she can't alienate Trump voters. So how do you do that? You beat up on Ron DeSantis and you avoid making those people angry. But you know, there's, a, there's an interesting level of sobriety about all of this, and that is that yesterday, today, and tomorrow, Donald Trump is still the likely front runner. I agree with still you. still likely the, the Republican nominee. Nikki Haley is likely to win in New Hampshire. But what comes after New Hampshire? Her home state of South Carolina, where Donald Trump is ahead of her by 20 percentage points. So this is what I predict, Leland. I predict after Iowa, DeSantis is going to have to make a tough decision. He's likely to jump, drop out. I believe Nikki Haley will probably try to stand into South Carolina. But after South Carolina, when you look at the other states to come, Arizona, et cetera, those are voters that are crystallized around Donald Trump. So she's likely to drop out by South Carolina. So I think this is Trump's all the way to the bank. 
there is seeming to be kind of a reckoning inside the media ahead of this. You think about the New, the New York Times, uh, the case for Trump by someone who wants him to lose. This is Brett Stevens mm-hmm. um, writing, laid out a, a lot of really interesting points. You can't defeat an opponent if you refuse to understand what makes him formidable. Too many people, especially progressives, fail to think deeply about the enduring sources of his appeal and to do so without calling him names or disparaging um, his supporters. People don't like being called names. I'm I'm thinking about Iowa, uh, because that's what's next, right? Uh, Lauren, do you do you see any reason? And I and, and there's there's a two parts to this: one for Trump to be worried, but if mm-hmm. he's not worried, why is his campaign lowering expectations? Well, because of the spread. Maybe they won't win by 12 points. Maybe it'll be single digits, but it's still decisive. So I understand that. But, you know, this is the situation we're in. It is absolutely absurd. There's a town hall with a former president where a real question is, will you be a dictator? And no one knows the answer to it. And a real question is, will you use the DOJ against your political opponents? And no one knows the answer to it. We're all on the edge of our seats. And Joe Biden is losing to that person in some states by quite a few points. And so, yes, I take your point. Joe Biden is in huge trouble. uh, And it is just even more underlined by the fact that Trump is an alienating and divisive candidate. That is the worst choice for Republicans to bring into a national election. I'm not necessarily convinced that it's the worst choice against Joe Biden. Joe Biden has, Biden has one issue. He did. But Joe Biden has one issue that he can never change. That is his age. There's well, nothing so you, aspirational you that, or inspirational about Joe Biden for the average Democratic voter, for the average swing voter. And when you look at the state of the economy, you look at immigration, where you have Democratic strong suits like New York, Chicago, Illinois, black cities that are saying, wait a minute here. What about what we're going through, Joe Biden, that we voted for you 95 percent and we've seen nothing over four years? That's not a winning message, Leland. People don't no, care I, I, I get about that. the trials that President Trump is going it, through. That's baked in at this point. No, no, no. I, I think that is baked in. And, and that sort of is what is happening now and how, how the White House is running on this, right? Jill Biden, uh, I think now may have, been, have done more interviews than her husband has, uh, certainly this year. I don't remember she the last. continued to do uh, so. so. So this was her on Morning Joe. Take a listen. He can do it. And I see Joe every day. I see him out, you know, traveling around this country. I see his vigor. I see his energy. I say his age is an asset. That's the Ronald Reagan trick. Uh, My age means experience. Vote for me. I have experience. The problem is going to be if he does face off with Trump in a general election debate, I'm not even sure he'll have one. Ironically, because Trump has normalized not going to debates, he will have problems on his feet and people will have have to campaign. And people will see whether or not the president of the United States is capable. I've done this with three candidates. You're talking about several hours in one place. Then you're jumping on a plane to the next place. Does he have the stamina to do it, Leland? I don't think he does. Can he walk up on the stage without tripping over himself? I'm not convinced. With all due respect to the president. And I like the first lady. She's an educator. But she didn't even seem to believe the message that she was peddling. If she didn't believe it, I guarantee you the average American person who saw that clip would say, yeah. I don't think yeah, 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 look, look, say. So, so yeah. I'll, I'll end it with this. Um, I understand the skepticism about Donald Trump. And look, the, the, you make a great point. It's grading on a curve when will you be a dictator <laughs> yeah, is a, is a yeah. question. That said, he's answering questions, which is something Joe Biden isn't doing. And, mm-hmm. and that, that, that side by side is They're one hiding that's going to become him from the media, more, more apparent. All right. 
Uh, News Nation special coverage of the Iowa caucuses starts tomorrow, live from a snowy Des Moines, if we make it. And that is a big if at this point. 7 p.m. Eastern, special edition of On Bounds. Monday, Chris Cuomo, Dan Abrams, and Elizabeth Vargas will be co-anchoring a live special coverage starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. I will be in Iowa as well. President Trump used his court appearance to court voters, not only in Iowa, where he left, but around the country. A guy who knows a thing or two about being prosecuted as a politician, fighting not only for his legal life, but his political one, Rod Blagojevich, on the other side of the break. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Multiple carriers. If you are new to Medicare, recently moved, or losing coverage, make the free call to the number on your screen. Give your zip code to the licensed insurance agent that answers, and they'll walk you through the entire process step by step. It's that easy. I just became eligible for Medicare, so I call to find a plan that fits my budget. For free no obligation consultation, call 800 591 2197. Donald Trump's months-long fraud trial, the civil trial in New York, came to an end, one of six trials involving the former president. He delivered remarks today in court in his own defense, taking aim at the New York attorney general and the judge who was judging the case. Eventually, the judge instructed Trump's lawyers to, quote, control your client. Of course, being ordered to control their client was not a problem outside of the courthouse in front of the media. Uh, They don't have any facts. They don't have any evidence against us. Millions and millions of pages, years of litigation, and all politically motivated. She campaigned on a I will get Trump. If you've ever seen any of the uh, seen any of her clips, they're horrible clips, actually. The anger. She's got serious Trump derangement syndrome. New York Attorney General Lahita James wants a $370 million penalty against Trump and his companies and to oust Trump from his own company and ban him from doing business in New York. With us now, a guy who knows a thing or two about trials is a politician, former governor of Illinois, Rod Blagojevich. Good to see you, sir. Thank you. Um, I think we should say up front, you were pardoned by President Trump, so there's a few, a, a few feelings there that we put out. But I've been interested in your comments on this because I think you see and you saw in your mind what, hap- the, you know, what happened to you is the canary in the coal mine, both with the charges against Donald Trump and the investigations into Hunter Biden, something that is dangerous. Well, it's very dangerous. I I would say that this is the greatest constitutional crisis we faced in America since the Civil War. The weaponization of prosecutors, the politicization of the courts to be used as political weapons, partisan weapons to destroy leading candidates from either party. What they did to me, a Democrat governor at the AAA level, they're now doing at the major league level to a Republican president. And the big problem is it's destroying our democracy. And it was never intended to be this way. The prosecutors, uh, in this particular case, the attorney general running on a campaign, promised that she would get Trump if she gets elected. The irony is that she's one of those rare politicians who's actually keeping her campaign promise, but she's doing it at the expense of the rule of law. She's butchering uh, the interests of justice. She's undermining democracy and public trust. 
And, uh, and the irony is she's selling out the people of New York because she's supposed to be the people's lawyer looking after the little guy. But instead, she's pushing the interests of the big banks and the big insurance companies. It's ironic and laughable. But unfortunately, it's very dangerous. And our country's in big trouble because this is communist style Would- politics that the Democrats are doing. And I should point out to your listeners, I was a twice elected Democrat governor, the first governor in America to endorse Obama. And I see what they're doing. Would you, to would Trump you say the same Republican thing? Republican prosecutors did to me. I'm sorry. Would you say? Would Would you say this is the same thing? Would you say it's the same thing with being what's being done to Hunter Biden, and by extension to the, the demands to look into Joe Biden? I think the demands to look into Joe Biden and, and chase after his son is is similar, but not nearly as, as egregious as what they're doing to Trump. Uh, I don't like the idea that all of a sudden. A man becomes president of the United States and they start investigating his son. This is the new ugly politics in America today. Um, but what they're doing to Trump now is, is, is never been done before. Uh, and the magnitude of it um, and the unfairness of it. And none of the cases against him are remotely criminal. And the irony is the people that are doing it to him are the ones who I, 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 arguably are violating rules, violating laws, and certainly violating the intention of what our founders expected for our country. And that is that... We, the people, choose our leaders. You don't like Trump, vote against them. Can't, you don't like me, can't, vote against me. Don't things, hijack though, me from office. Can't two things, I'm though, sorry, be true ahead. at once? I, I know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of if two things can't be true at once, right? We put, we put up the calendar of, of the court cases against Donald Trump. Um, and then also uh, uh, the, the primary calendar, right? Um, the federal classifieds documents trial, for example, uh, in, other, in, other, in other cases, and uh, in, in what he did allegedly in Georgia, when in some of the phone calls when he was calling and saying you need to find votes, doesn't there have to? Can it both be that these are politically motivated and the people should choose, but also there has to be some way to hold elected officials who do the wrong thing accountable? Well, yes, of course, and there are corrupt politicians, I, and I don't want to prejudge Senator Menendez, but when you find cash in a senator's house, hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash and gold bars. I think that's probable cause to think that there's some corruption going on. That sort of stuff ought to be prosecuted, certainly investigated. But this sort of thing that you talk about the Georgia case, if that's a crime, then those of us who were Democrats back in 2000 who believed Bush didn't win and that Gore won, uh, they should throw up. They should prosecute us and maybe throw me back in jail. I don't hope they don't get any crazy ideas to do that. But we were doing that because we felt that was a wrong outcome and that Gore was getting cheated. And it's happened before in history. In the 1800 election with Jefferson and Adams, the loser challenged the result. It happened in 1876 with the then-governor no, of New York, I, I, I know the history. I think we, your, your point, though, was well made, um, that, that the standard for doing this, um, I think the founders would have agreed, had to be uh, much higher than what it, what it has been for Donald Trump. And, and you're fair about it in terms of uh, talking about how, uh, Joe Biden... Uh, I, I got to run. I apologize. Um, I, as I said, uh, I was one of your uh, constituents for a while when I was a student at Northwestern and followed your career. I'm glad we've been able to talk. We had breaking news earlier, but we'll have you back on the show. All right. Thanks for having me. I didn't raise your taxes and I didn't do it. All right. Live shots of the White House right now, where uh, undoubtedly at least some of the president's staff, we don't know if the president himself, is gathered in the White House Situation Room. The president put out a statement saying that the, the United States has conducted strikes against the Houthi rebels. Uh, that seems to believe that they think that things are over. Uh, and we do not know of any either U.S. casualties or downed aircraft, which is something you always think about on a night like this. Sun up in the Middle East for bomb damage assessment in the next hour or so. We'll see you in a minute. 
40. Breaking news as we're coming up on 4 a.m. in Yemen, just before 8 p.m. here in Washington at the White House, where the president uh, has said that the United States, together with the U.K., Australia, Bahrain, Canada and the Netherlands, successfully conducted strikes against a number of targets linked to the Iranian-backed Houthis. Uh, Conducted strikes leads you to believe this is over, at least round one in the view of the U.S. military is over. These targeted strikes, he wrote in a statement, so no presidential address tonight. These targeted strikes are a clear message that the United States and our partners will not tolerate attacks on our personnel and will not hesitate to direct further measures to protect our people. That said, he has hesitated for an awfully long time, 130 attacks uh, by Iranian-backed groups on U.S. troops across the Middle East. Uh, And in addition to that, the attacks on Navy ships and commercial ships by the Houthi rebels, uh, those numbered into the dozens. Tomahawk missiles and fighter jets, as we told you, typically Tomahawk missiles go in early uh, and take out the air defense systems. Uh, This is sort of how these things work. Then you've got logistical hubs, air defense systems, weapons storage, and launching facilities, along with some command and control. So typically you've got tomahawks that go go in, they take out our defenses, then command and control centers get taken out as we look at some of the weapons uh, that the Houthis are using. Uh, And then the weapons storage facilities and launching locations, those are the things that they were using, the drones, uh, to attack U.S. ships and others. Now we wait for the Houthis' response. Uh, as directed by their bosses in Tehran. Interestingly enough, as far as I can see, briefly looking at this statement by President Biden, I do not see him mention the word Iran once. That is, despite the Iranians taking control of an oil tanker uh, in the Persian Gulf earlier today. Uh, The Iranians know that the Houthis uh, are being attacked and clearly ordered them to keep the strikes going against the United States. And now the United States isn't saying anything uh, against or about Iran. A lot more on this tomorrow in War Notes. It gives you a free look at the show every day at 4 p.m. Go to warnotes.com and subscribe for free. The notes started at our internal email discussion about the most important events of the day. And what you get is our early thoughts about the most important stories of the day, and you can be part of the conversation. You can respond to the email with your thoughts. Join us on social media at Leland Vittert on Instagram or Twitter. That's warnotes.com and subscribe for free. Next, he scared Ohio Democrats to the polls with ads showing creepy congressmen peering into your bedroom. We're going to show you the spot he has in New York. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Veterans, do you wear glasses or use hearing aids? VA Healthcare may cover both of those for you at no or low cost. You may even be eligible for free dental care at one of VA's more than 200 dental clinics. Sign up at va.gov, call 1-800-MY-VA-411 or visit your nearest VA medical center. After I lost my mom, I lost my way. Then I found youth advocate programs, yet behavioral health services. As a little kid, I made some mistakes, but I'm not a mistake. YAP gives communities alternatives to residential care, youth incarceration, and neighborhood violence. After completing our program, nearly 90% of participants remain in their community. YAP works. I'm working towards a bright future. Youth advocate programs. Others talk social change. We make it happen. Learn more at yapinc.org. 
You can always come up with an excuse for not visiting longtermcare.gov. Oh, I forgot. Game night. After all, who wants to admit that one day they will be, you know, old? Hey, do you see any crow's feet on this face? I don't. But since 70% of older Americans need some kind of long-term care, why not do some free planning now so you can stay in charge? Visit longtermcare.gov and find your own path forward. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We go through safety training and try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much acetaminophen can damage your liver. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash otcpaininfo. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. Don't find yourself saying, (laughs) when the storm rolls in, my time to find a pet-friendly evacuation center will have run out. The scorching heat wave will leave me powerless to cool my insulin. I'll face a hurricane without meds. Now that's a tough pill to swallow. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the go. I'm Leland Vittert. We're here for you 24-7 on the News Nation app or just say, Alexa, play News Nation. You can't escape a traffic jam. Know what else you can't escape? Seasonal allergies. And you might think you can avoid that coffee stain until... Well, really? You can't escape a lot of things in life. But you can escape prediabetes. Prediabetes captures one in three adults. There are usually no signs of prediabetes. In fact, most people don't even know they have it. But with early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Take action by taking the one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. You might not be able to escape having this song stuck in your head. But you can escape prediabetes. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hi, I'm Dr. Kathleen Eubanks-Ming with the American Academy of Family Physicians. Bullies use power, strength, or popularity to hurt others emotionally or physically. And while you can't be with your child all the time, there are ways you can help. If your child encounters a bully, tell them to get to a safe place and tell an adult. You can also show them how to block online bullies. Teach them they can be more than a bystander and that they can help their peers. For more on bullying, visit FamilyDoctor.org or talk with your family physician. Or to compare Medicare plans in your area or visit eHealth.com. eHealth, your Medicare matchmaker. Doctor, he's flatlining. We need to get him into surgery. Sorry. You can't do that. What are you talking about? Who are you? I'm a Republican congressman. Now that we're in charge, we repealed Obamacare, and we're not paying for this surgery. This man is dying. Now get out of the hospital. 
I won the last election. I'm not going anywhere. That's the latest ad for a group called Progress Action Fund. You might recognize the evil Republican congressman. He played the same role in one of the group's other ads about abortion. I can't believe this. My daughter was raped. And you're not going to do anything? I'm sorry. They'll put us all in prison if we do the procedure. He's right. I'm your Republican congressman. We've banned abortion. No exceptions. Those ads delivered big Democratic victories in dark red states, Ohio and Kentucky. The Obamacare ad is up in New York's third district, where there is a special election to replace George Santos. The group's founder, Joe Jacobson, is with us, along with Congressman Eric Swalwell from California, is also working with Progress Action Fund. Joe, to you, um, what we thought this was the next generation. It, it makes sense. Um, does this work for the 2024 campaign for the general election? Well, number one, thank you again for having me on the show for the ads. And it absolutely does. The reason being is Donald Trump, uh, Speaker Mike Johnson, Republicans are trying to repeal Obamacare. Uh, They said it pretty publicly. Donald Trump a few days ago, Mike Johnson had a 57-page memo on how to repeal Obamacare. And as we saw in 2018, after Republicans failed to do so, they got wiped out of the polls. So it's our perspective that Democrats need to listen to the voters. And voters are clear. They care about health care and they care about Obamacare, too. Yeah, it it does seem as though it's something that is kind of entrenched and very difficult to end. Twenty plus million people signed up uh, in the affordable care marketplaces during the annual enrollment program this past year. I think that is a record. It's it is uh, a record and very popular. Congressman Spalwell, this is this is the problem for Democrats, right, is that you've got Joe Biden, who is a historically unpopular president. Um, do you really want to be the party that is all, all that you have is scaring the bejesus out of people about what Republicans will do? I get it's a strategy, but is it a good one? Well, we need to play on their side of the field. Democrats uh, historically, uh, I think, have just been awful at, at talking to the heart. Uh, and instead, we try and talk to the head in like a very wonky, high minded way. Look, your freedom of body, your freedom of health care is at stake, and we need you to know who the villain is, who's going to take it away, who would flatline it, so to speak, uh, if they were in office. And that's uh, MAGA Republicans. And that's what this ad is doing. That's why I'm happy to partner to promote this with Joe and Progress Action Fund. They're not pulling any punches because we just can't afford you, and too many people will be out in the cold if that happens. I always think it's funny. I always think it's funny. You have you have Republican congressmen on, and they always say, oh, Democrats have their act so much better together than we do. You have Democratic congressmen on, and they <laughs> say, oh, right. Republicans are so much better at fighting on the other side. But, Joe, th- this is what I'm trying <laughs> to figure out. Look, the one clip from the town hall, from Donald Trump's town hall, that got sent out by the Biden administration, the very first one, was about abortion. Um, how many voters, as you guys are looking at this, how many voters are persuadable, not on the single ballot issues? And I know it worked for Andy Bashir in Kentucky. It obviously it worked in Ohio for the, the single ballot issue and Kansas for the single ballot issue. How well does this work on a, on a national scale when you're talking about a presidential election where where abortion isn't necessarily going to be the biggest issue? I think this definitely can be the biggest issue. And like the congressman mentioned, you know, we need to be going on offense and holding folks accountable. Um, You know, Republicans, we need to make sure that everyone knows their true policy positions. Pennsylvania is a state where we had a candidate candidate matchup in 2023. The issue was abortion and we won that race. 
Uh, this issue divides the Republican Party. A majority of Republican Party voters, you know, supported overturning Roe v. Wade. But the general election, our general electorate, by two-thirds, opposes overturning Roe v. Wade. This is a strategy that works. Look at 2022. Look at 2023. Um, we're going to keep it. Oh, look, and you, you make a point. It, it has worked, uh, both for you all and then in a broader sense as well. I apologize with the breaking news. We've got to go. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Joe, uh, you're always welcome back. Congressman as well, uh, especially as uh, more ads come out. We'll see you before election time. It appears as though the strikes, the U.S. strikes against the Houthis in Yemen are over at least for tonight. Uh, the question is, is this enough of a bloody nose to teach the Iranians a lesson? President Biden has been embarrassed into these strikes, and now we have to see if it is enough. Here's Chris. Everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Thursday. We have breaking news. There's military action in the Middle East, and we need a perspective shift. People are getting this story wrong in terms of the planning, the implications, and what happens next. This is a window not just into 